Hey everybody and welcome to a brand new episode of the Premier League Podcast here on FanReg Sports. My name is Sebastian Noren, with me is Pauli Costell and Elliot Niblock. It's a international special here as we got World Cup qualifiers going on this uh, past couple of days here and even leading until tomorrow. Got a big game coming up tomorrow, Tuesday, as the United States take on Honduras on the road. And that's where we kick things off after the very disappointing 2-0 loss at home against Costa Rica. Two goals by Marco Ureña, San Jose Earthquakes striker. And uh, Pauli, you weren't with us last show, but we said, you know, Elliot and I were talking about this game and... You know, we said it wasn't a gimme. Costa Rica is a good team, but losing 2 nothing at home, though, is a very tough pill to swallow, seeing how bad they played. By no means was it a gimme. But, and I would, have, I would have brought this up that my concern was the same. The fact that, like, we look at it like, oh, we're probably going to beat Costa Rica because we always beat Costa Rica, because we do. We always beat Costa Rica in competitive games at home. We had never lost before. But the last time that we played them in a World Cup qualifier, it took us a game covered in snow yeah. that like was under protest <laughs> to barely beat them. So anybody with a brain should have been looking at this game like this is by far from a gimme. But, oh, God, was this a bad game. And it's like, like I'm almost upset that like we're recording this game, that we're recording the show what is it? Two, three days later, because I had I had I spent like two days suppressing the memory of this game <laughs> from my brain. And now uh, we're bending up that old wound, sprinkling some salt in it, some pepper. Some. I mean, I was ready to quit the sport. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I remember texting my friends Friday night, like, anybody know of any good books? Yeah, <laughs> I know. I, I'm just done. The thing is, too, though. I mean, they did you know, suffer a very heavy loss in the away game against Costa Rica too. And I think that, yes, we talk about, you know, they usually win their home games in CONCACAF. If you can get at least a draw away, that's always good. But it was the same thing there. They were in that game. They were also, you know, played off the pitch basically. Right. Well, as much as we never lose to Costa Rica at home, we never even get a result at Costa Rica. So as mad as I was that that game was being held against Jurgen Klinsmann because we got played off the pitch, like, that was, you know, when, when you, when you see the the schedule for the hex, you know, that's a game that I marked down as we're going to lose this one. You look at the game at the Azteca and you say maybe we can get a result here. We're probably going to lose another one somewhere on the line, and it it needs to be made up somewhere else. But like that Costa Rica game was a game that we we're supposed to lose. This one is a game we we're supposed to win, and. God, it was it was a disaster. Yeah, it was it was a disaster top to bottom. I mean, you've got to give Kaylor Navas some credit for making some great saves and you know showing why he's one of the first names on the team sheet, probably the first name on the team sheet at this point for Los Ticos. But at the same time, it was just it was a flat performance. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I yeah, definitely. Okay. Uh, I want. I wanted. You know. I want to give. I want to give my props to my boy Joel, who you know. Good luck for your seventy seventh loan spell at Real Betis. But anyway, back to the game itself. It, <laughs> Joel it Campbell's was really still even playing for Los Ticos. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, when he's not injured. 
Um, See, here's the thing that, like, I don't know what the world is going to look like as as everybody's qual- trying to qualify for the 2030 World Cup, but I do know that Brian Ruiz is still going to be on the field for yeah, Costa Rica. Yeah, they rolled him out in a wheelchair there. Uh, if we take a quick look at the uh, hex here now, Mexico, they secured a they secured their spot now. They got 17 points. They're sitting at the top. Costa Rica, second place, 14 points. Then you got the United States with eight points in third, and then Honduras in fourth, but also with eight points. And then you got Panama with seven points. So this Honduras game is absolutely vital. Which is yeah. which is a problem. Because <laughs> yeah, if they if, I mean, they if they don't beat Honduras, I mean, yeah, you could get away with the draw probably and still be fine. Well, they say our like our SPI, whatever that stands for, mm-hmm. our SPI index. If we lose this game, is still at fifty nine percent. So it's still more than half the time we would qualify, but that's not exactly a number that you'd want to play around with. No, I mean, luckily for the the, the thing is this, luckily for the U.S., even if, let's say, it ends in a draw tomorrow, Honduras still have have to play Costa Rica away, and then they finish things off with a game against Mexico at home. Yeah, but what's Mexico playing for? Nothing. And Costa Rica, I'm pretty sure they're going to win their next match, and in which case I believe they qualify. So what are they playing? Uh, they for? play against Mexico in their ne- next game. I'm not sure they're going to win that one. Okay, well, and fair. I mean, Mexico is never sure. going to be. It's never going to be an easy game, even if they've got nothing to play for. It's not like we can call them up and say, "Hey, remember when we punched your ticket to the last World Cup? You want to let us ship in six goals?" Member, right? But I think that that's the thing. Like, like we punch Mexico's ticket and Mexico would be more spiteful and be like, we're, we're definitely not trying to help you out at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is very, very true. But at the same time, it's, it's like as a federation, they would definitely not want that. But at the same time, it's exactly what happened against Panama when we played Panama four years ago. And we took a team that was, you know, devoid of most of our starters. It was a lot of fringe players and those players were playing for their spot on the World Cup team. So if Mexico like if Mexico does that, then it's like, yeah, you're playing for a lot of players that, you know, maybe maybe I can I can play my way from number twenty three on the roster to number eleven on the team sheet. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I'm playing for number twenty six on the roster to be number twenty two on the roster. Yeah, you got so, some hungry players in then. And I mean that's a good yeah. thing. Absolutely. Yeah. If now we, Yes. Having said that, it, we're still at this at this crossroad here, where we we did beat we we are three one and one career wise in qualifiers against Honduras, but that's that's we did lose to them four years ago. We are playing in the the godforsaken heat of Honduras. Honduras did say all your businesses you could let your workers out at twelve o'clock noon on Tuesday so that they could all attend the game. So it's going to be hostile environment this is by far a bad situation for us and as bad as you want to say it like i i want to harp back onto it like we said this after we lost to mexico and costa rica and everybody was like wow this is terrible and we're not going to qualify and it was like ah actually we still have eight games left this is an ultra forgiving format we have played seven games we have won two of them 
and we're still in an automatic qualifying spot. Yeah. So let's, be, you know, we're going to talk more about the upcoming game against Honduras, but we got to break down this loss to Costa Rica. If, yeah. we, if we take a look at the starting 11 here. So you had Susie, Cameron, Reem, Villafania, Bradley, Johnson, Nagby, Pulisic, Wood, and Altidore. And then, of course, Tim Howard and Nett. Um, Paulie, was, was there anything that stood out to you where you uh, feel start like... with Elliot? <laughs> start okay. with Elliot. <laughs> okay, Elliot, was there anything that you thought stood, stood out here that Arena might have gotten wrong as far as picking the players to start? Well, I'm forgive me, Seb, but I'm I'm gonna speak to what I thought he got right, and I still think he got right, but a player who was clearly culpable for the goal, which is Tim Ream. And you know, I know we were texting before the game about Tim Ream, and I was happy to see him in the squad. I think that. You know, his performances under Klinsman, I thought, looked really, really strong, um, even in a team that didn't necessarily look strong around him. <sighs> but he, I mean, he made he made a mess of it and is, you know, completely culpable for that Costa Rica goal. But nonetheless, I still I still would pick him ahead of Omar Gonzalez for the next match because you know what Omar Gonzalez was in all, equally culpable for as many howlers of goals during the gold cup against lesser competition. So, I mean, that's, that's the selection to me that if you're looking at this roster, you know, if I'm looking at this 26 man roster, I'm still picking Tim Ream in that position. But I also think that, he dis, you know, I felt like he let us down. I was disappointed by his performance, and his performance highlighted in general a weakness at that position. You know, for this squad, certainly, as we've talked about, maybe in world football generally, but at center half, the U.S. still just looks kind of a shambles, and that really highlighted it. But I, st I still pick him ahead of Gomar Gonzalez. Okay, Paulie, I know you have some things to say about Michael Bradley. You think that he might be the main problem in this team? He's absolutely the main problem in this team. And it's not his fault. That's not his fault. Like, you know what? Like, if, if Bruce Arena kept selecting me to start at center midfield, like, that's not my fault. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, yep. That's not my fault. I just... The team has a leadership problem. We know that. Um, and everybody likes to hound on all these failures that we've had recently and it all comes from since Bradley's been named uh the captain of the team and like you see it like he takes corners and he's he's going for goal because he scored in a friendly on January one time from the corner spot or he takes the set pieces which he's not that good at uh it it just seems like he's the one always on the ball but like when he gets on the ball he's playing it square and or back Mostly yeah, back. back. And, you know, like, he's he's a number eight. That's what he is. Like, at a certain point, Michael Bradley is, uh, where is he? Uh, he's 30 years old. He is what he is. He's a number eight. Like, Jurgen Klinsmann tried to make him a number 10. Bruce Arena's trying to make him a number six. He's number eight. And at 30 years old, 137 caps, and God only knows how many club games, that's not going to change. So if you want to play him as a number six, you're going to leave yourself exposed at the back, and that's a problem, especially because he doesn't push the ball up the field the way, the way good number sixes do. Like a, if you want to play like him as a, a number low. eight, <laughs> yeah. If you want to play him as a number eight, you're kind of exposed because you have better ones available to you. If you want to play him as a number ten, you're screwed because he's not. That's not who he is. 
but he just sits there and like, oh, I'm the leader of this team and we all look at me like I'm a good player and so is Josie out the door. And like, again, it's, you can, how many, we saw this when, like we alluded to earlier in the show, they were played off the field in Costa Rica. Uh, they lost to Mexico at home, which is something that we don't do uh, or we haven't done in years in World Cup qualifying. You know, the, the team is what the team is. And Jurgen Klinsmann got criticized constantly for his team selections, namely because he always selected uh, Wondolowski to the team, which, by the way, Bruce Arena is doing the same thing. He constantly selects yeah. Wondolowski. Um, he doesn't get criticized for that. Klinsmann got criticized because he never picked the same starting 11. Every, every game, we're all sitting on our hands and knees being like, ooh, what's, what's Arena going to do? And then when he selects his team, everybody just goes, oh, okay. It's not the same as last time, but nobody criticizes him for that. Like, mm-hmm. it, that, I, it's, it's just I mean, the difference. And this is, right, so I, like, I don't think that he's he's not tink, he's not tinkering as much as Klinsman did. But your point is still well taken. Like he's not he's, he's not he's picking not. these are my guys, and you know it's just a matter of who comes off the bench. Look, I'd rather him do what he's doing than actually be like these are my guys because these are my guys doesn't work in international football. You always well, have to be also, selecting different people. Yeah, and also we don't we I mean we don't have a clear exactly eleven heads and shoulders above the rest, right? Like right. we've got a handful of players that absolutely have to be there. Like I think Jeff Cameron absolutely has to be there. Obviously Christian Pulisic absolutely has to be there. I think Fabian Johnson I would probably also include in that group. And but you know beyond that, I mean maybe Bobby Wood, but even then there's a question mark. Maybe Clint right. Dempsey if no, he's still scoring goals, but even there there's a question mark. I'm I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you at all. It's funny that he's not getting criticized for the for the yes. slight amount of tinkering that he's doing. But at the same time, it's you could change the manager. At the same time, the same core of players is there, and the results are being the same. Like, yeah. oh, cool, we won the Gold Cup. Cool, we did that four years ago too. Like, But this time we called in our best players to be everybody else's not best players. That's how we like. We felt that winning the gold cup was so important that we needed to call in our best players, quote unquote best players, because we called in a bunch of of older players to be everybody else's B team. And if these results keep happening, then it's probably not the manager who's at fault; it's the players. And how many times do we have to watch this team get run out and get run off the field before we're like, you know what? Maybe Bradley and and Altador. And even Dempsey, although Dempsey was a sub, so, you know, and I think that's the correct role for him. Yeah, but, agreed. agreed. Um, like, how many times do we have to see them get run off the field before we're like, hey, maybe this isn't right? And, I, and I'm going to go back to your point with, with Team Ream. Uh, I mean, I texted you before the game. I was happy to see Tim Ream there, but you need to be really sure that Tim Ream is going to get the job done if you're going to play him in a big match like this ahead of someone like Matt Beasler because Matt Beasler doesn't have a lot of upside, but you know exactly what you're going to get with Matt Beasler in there and defensively and spacing. That's something, you know, you're going to get and Reem didn't do it. And it was really, really bad. And, and he was cold for both goals. 
Mm. Uh, we're going to take a short break here, but then when we come back, we're going to keep this going as we have much more to say about the United States and going forward what they need to do here. So stick around and we'll be right back. And we're back. And Paulie, before we went to break, you were talking about, you know, how it might be the players that are, you know, at fault here. And the thing is, too, that I feel like Michael Bradley and Josie Altador, as you were talking about, they're bigger. They're much bigger names than they are actual good footballers. And it seems like there's going to be have to be someone that comes through that is at a much higher level before they are able to quote-unquote, dethrone these two players. Yeah, 100%. But I think we have the players here. Yeah. It's more, we need to, you need to change the shape. Um, and, he, like, you know what? Maybe nobody's coming in and knocking Bradley out. And that's fine, but you can't put Bradley in the role that you put him in. And, you know, I gave Bruce Arena credit in the first two games, or the last, his first four games. Uh, yeah, first four games in charge where we played Honduras at home and Panama at home, and he really had Bradley as the lone holding midfielder, which was fine. That was fine because this is the same thing that we say um, when we gave Jose Mourinho credit for Manchester United's first games. Is You're playing West Ham at home. You don't need two holding midfielders. So you could play with Nemanja Matic there and just let everybody run free. When you're playing Honduras at home, you could play with Michael Bradley there and let everybody else run free. Honduras isn't going to overwhelm you back the other way. Costa Rica is a different story. And if yeah. you're going to play Bradley there, you need to you need to play somebody next to him. And Darlington Nagby is not that guy. And it was just weird that Arena's choice was, which he got completely wrong, was let's jettison Christian Pulisic out onto the wing and move yeah. Nagby centrally to play as a number eight. Which, which I, I guess... I mean, t- I, I... So... To be fair, I think that Darlington Nagby's best role is playing centrally, not on the wing. I don't think Darlington Nagby's ceiling playing centrally is even close to Christian Pulisic's. Like, I mean, again, this is, you know, this is has to do with the player, like the hand that we're dealt. Like the U.S. men's national team is not a world beating squad. This is not Germany. This is not Italy. You know what? Like this is. This is not even a lot of the competitive teams in Africa, right? Like our our squad is du- not built on a bevy of European stars and starlets, but we have one, and he is clearly best going through the middle. Mm-hmm. And so, while I think that, I mean, on on the one hand, Arena's right that Nagby's better centrally than he is out wide. Uh, Pulisic is much better centrally than Nagby ever has been or will be. Yeah, and I mean, and he, he's, I, he's the player you need to build your team around now. I think that what, what you just said really couldn't be more accurate. Play the hand that you're dealt. So, yes, Darlington Nagby is a central midfielder. Um, and, I, and I think we did this whole thing where it's like we're going to play Nagby centrally because that's where he plays for his club, and we're going to play Christian Pulisic out wide on the right because that's where he plays with this club. The difference is, is that Pulisic plays out wide because he's got – just start naming the, the unbelievable yeah. players that play centrally, and that's why he's not playing centrally because there's so many good players at Dortmund that play down the middle. But also, he plays out wide in a 4-1-4-1 formation that's more like a 4-3-3. Yeah. So he's more playing like as that forward attacker, not as the right midfielder. And 
he's also squaring the ball centrally to Pierre Aubameyang, which is yeah. way better than any striker that the U.S. has. Yeah. So, you know, playing him in his best, playing him in that club position, cool, but like, is that the best spot for him on this team? No, like, what worked so well the first time or the last two home games that the U.S. played was Pulisic operating centrally and Nagby finding space, cutting in from the left. And they had a very good rapport with each other. Now what you did was you put Nagby somewhere, you put Pulisic all the way out wide where Costa Rica was able to mark him out of the game. And what are you doing? And this is what I say. Like, This is what I say. Like, You have to play the hand that you're dealt. And so you look at Michael Bradley, you look at Josie Outdoor, you say, you know, one of them's got 137 caps. One of them has uh, 108 with 39 goals. And you want that in their team. You definitely do. But does the team fit that? You know, maybe we need another midfielder next to Bradley. Uh, we probably need to find a way to get Pulisic centrally. If we don't want to take away a holding midfielder, then that means playing like a playing like a either a four one four one or a four four one one with Pulisic operating off of Bradley off of this striker's shoulder. And yeah. maybe that's not the position he plays for his club, but that doesn't make him bad at that position. Well, that yeah, and I think that. I mean, I think that it's frustrating to see him out wide because he's he's amazingly disciplined for his age, which is one of the reasons that he's able to thrive at the level that he has been. But that means that he can track back and defend. But that doesn't mean that you want him doing that, especially exactly. Like, exactly. I mean, you know, I I'm going to be interested to watch tomorrow night because I'm just like. You know, every moment that he is in the defensive third is a moment that the U.S. are losing his creative potential. And that doesn't mean that he can't acquit himself well, but there's a difference between, okay, you've acquitted your responsibilities well, and you are the creative engine driving this team forward, which when he has the freedom to reign in the center of the park in the final third, that is when the U S have been at their best for the last calendar year. Certainly really the last 300 days altogether. And like, what is it? He's been involved in like 11 out of the 12 goals. Um, mm-hmm. that since he's been, when he's on the field, like he's been involved in like 11 of the past 12 goals. And I think that 12th one was like, he won the free kick for that. I mean, it's the, it's the kind of thing that you create a player in a video game that has amazing stats for despite the fact that they're 19, and lo and behold, you are blowing everybody out of the water and they're involved in every play. Exactly. Except it's, that it's real, and his name is Christian Pulisic, so God damn it, put him in the final third. Keep him right, in the box, for right. Lord's it's, sake. It's, look, you don't want to put too much pressure on him, all right? I get that. No. You don't want to put too much pressure on him. But there's nothing wrong with being like, you're playing in the number 10 role, and telling everybody else that doesn't mean we're only relying on Christian. Like that just means we're putting Christian in a chance for Christian to be at his best and to put him out wide on the right and just pin him there was such a disservice to the team. And because first of all, nobody even supported him. Like he would get the ball on the right side and no one was even close there. Put him out in the middle where he has the freedom to just roam around and operate. And if you have to play, if you have to bring in Kellen Acosta to play next to Bradley and take off a forward because you can only play with one striker, so be it. Like, you know, there's no rule out there that says you need to play with two strikers. In fact, it's almost an antiquated – the four four two is an antiquated formation. Uh, that's just the way that soccer is. Like, I love it. 
I love it. I'm, I'm a fan of old school, like, let's play direct soccer at you. It doesn't always work. There's a reason that the back three is becoming the popular fad right now. And that's because soccer changes. Mm-hmm. It changes over time. Everybody played 4-4-2. So what, what did Jose Mourinho comes into Chelsea? What does he do? He plays a 4-3-3 and overloads the midfield with three midfielders. And then Barcelona has their, their tiki-taka stuff where they play with an overloaded midfield. So everybody now has to overload their midfield. You only play with one striker. So what comes next is how do we beat that? We'll play with a back three so the midfield's still matched up, and we now have two strikers up top. And that's becoming the fad, which the U.S. should adopt, but somehow we're stuck in the 4-4-2 mode where we need to play two strikers because for some reason we still have this idea that Josie Altidore has to be on the field where all you have to do is bully him and be physical with him and he's out of the game. And that's that's where we are. And if we're going to take a positive from this game, it's Altidore picked up a yellow. He can't play against Honduras. So yeah, there we go. Yeah, we'll see if Arena switches up things as far as formation goes. And hopefully, like Elliot said, Pulisic will play in that number 10 spot because that is where he's at his best. Uh, I find it hard to think he's going to do that in an away game. And also letting letting the rest of the U.S. know that Fabian Johnson's on the field and you're allowed to pass to him. Like, that would be nice. <laughs> yes. Because be we nice. only went down the right side last time, and Fabian Johnson was invisible. And if, if you're going to, like, make Fabian Johnson invisible, play him instead of Graham Zuzzi on the, at right back. Yeah. yeah. So if we take a look here at the Honduras game here tomorrow, September 5th, you know, let's say things don't go the United States way, and they end up, you know, finishing in that fourth spot, which means they would go over to the Inter-Confederations playoffs. So they would take on the fifth place team in the Asian qualifiers, which right now, if things stay as they stand, would be the winner between Australia and Syria. I mean, the soccer. I, I think it's like Australia is what's going to happen. Yes, the soccer ruse are going to be the team in that playoff match, which the U.S. should beat them on paper. But that, I mean, that's that is an extremely high pressure situation to go into that. I obviously we really want to avoid. Uh, <sighs> and I mean, I, I, you know, I have to admit since let's see who is, who is the last player for Australia who I can name? I think it's probably Tim Cahill. Yes. Uh, really? Yeah. Give me another Matt Ryan. The quarterback for the Falcons? No, the <laughs> goalkeeper for Brighton. Come on. No, that's Mark Schwartzer is the Australian goalkeeper. No, it's, it's always going to be Mark Schwartzer. No, it's Matthew Ryan. <laughs> okay, touche. Um, outfield player then, besides Tim Cahill. Aaron Moy. All right, man. Seb, Seb, well done. Good yeah. on you. I mean, Tim, uh, Tim I, Cahill well, is still in the squad. Yeah, which is... <laughs> you like 38? 37. Okay. Either Excuse way. Me. Either way. Here, here's my take on the whole inter-federation playoff. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to play extra competitive games. Having said that, it's a very high stakes with no margin for error. And the reason that we're there is because we took something with a lot of margin for error and, and still it. managed to, yep. to muck it up. Yep. Yeah. You know, the I mean, hex, that's, there's a lot of margin for error in the hex. And... We mucked it up. 
I think no matter who we play in, no matter who we play from Asia, we're the better team. Now, having said that, there's six teams in the hex, and I would have said that we're better than at least five of them, or or at least four of them. But now you can't say that because clearly we're not better than Costa Rica. Um, so we're, I would say we're better than at least three of them. But clearly we didn't finish better than all. <laughs> clearly we only finished better than two of them. I will say this. If we do play Australia, it comes down to one thing, and that is the draw for who gets that first home game. Mm. If we get the first home game, we win that easily no matter what. If we don't and we have to travel to Australia, play a game, and then four days later come back and play another game, that's a very dicey situation. If Australia has to travel to the United States, play a game, and then travel back to Australia to play again, they don't stand a chance against us. So, and that's see. the problem. And this, this, it's, it's exactly what happened four years ago when New Zealand had to come, had to go to Mexico. They got played off the pitch, and then Mexico went back and just saw them off and played them off the pitch again. Yeah, yeah. If we take a look here at the Honduras team, I mean, what's the biggest threat here? Carlo Costley. Ourselves. And the threat is okay. ourselves. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The threat is that we just don't play well, and that's what happened the last time we were at Honduras, and that's what happened Friday night against Costa Rica. So how do you think it's gonna go? That's a loaded question, Seb. I know, but we Gosh. got we got about a minute here until we gotta take another break. So I, I need a yeah. prediction from both of you. Uh, I predict Premier League games. I don't predict U.S. games. <laughs> I mean, i I think that I think that a lot of it depends on what what we spent a lot of the last ten minutes talking about is how Christian Pulisic is de- deployed in this game because if. If he is playing centrally off of Bobby Wood, I have a lot of faith in the U.S. being able to nick a goal, maybe two or three, even in a difficult road game in CONCACAF. And then I think we might take all three points. If he's out wide, we can pray for a point and then hope we get that draw against Australia, right? I, I've i seen enough of these away games over the last four years. I, just, I know how they go. It's We score a goal, we nick a goal, and immediately decide, that's it, we're done, let's protect this lead because for some reason scoring twice away from away from home is an undaunting task and we can see another goal on a set piece. So I think our best bet is 1-1. One, one. Okay. Well, I will say this, I watched Zambia and Algeria on Saturday morning because uh, that was what was on and beggars choosers, you know that saying. Mm-hmm. Um, God, like somehow, despite the fact they were in God only knows where – we're in Africa. That pitch looked better than any CONCACAF pitch you'll find outside of the U.S. and Mexico. Like, what's going on here? Yeah. These, these countries, like, get them, get them a lawnmower or something. <laughs> okay, well, we're going to take our second break here. and we come back, we'll take a look at the, other, the World Cup qualifiers in Europe and a little bit of South America. And then we have to talk about England and Wayne Rooney, of course. So stick around. And we're back. Uh, quickly, we're going to go through World Cup qualifiers in Europe. Of course, our focus is going to be mostly on England and a former England international and captain, Wayne Rooney, was uh, cited for a drunk driving incident here. Paulie, do you want to give us the lowdown here of what happened and what we can expect going forward here? I know he had a court date in about two weeks. I'm sure he's. Uh, it just sounds like he's taking that international retirement real well. Yeah. 
Oh man. I, th- I mean, that's, that's immediately what struck me was, well, actually the first thing that struck me is why are you driving a VW Beetle buddy? Like, because he was on. in, he was in the company of a woman and it was, oh. it was, it was her car. I see. I see. The yes. plot thickens. Yes. I, didn't, I didn't know that. All I, I read was this. initially. I did not know this. Are we back into the, into the hookers, Wayne Rooney? Era? I mean, this is Maybe not, is this why he's been failed. scoring goals for Everton. Hey, I don't think we, we we're not going to name anyone being a hooker, uh, but he was in the company of a woman, um, and uh, Colleen is not happy. Colleen's yeah. also not happy that the paparazzi's been following her around in her car. Yeah, and she's pregnant again. So, oh, is she? Oh, yeah. Damn, I've not been following the story a lot. I just I saw the headline and I just laughed and I went, ha! I went, someone's not taking retirement so well, even though, I mean, I, I wasn't on the last show, so I don't know if you guys spoke about it. No, we didn't. I was surprised by the by his retirement, but I'm not unexpected by it. I think, I think it's just like he's he's back to now playing at Everton, where every touch of the ball isn't scrutinized heavily, mm-hmm. and he also comes into a situation now where it's I think he was left off the squad for a couple of international breaks and he's just gotten used to uh hanging out with his family on these international breaks he's just like you know what like this is easier and better for me and that's why you retired but then it was like drunk driving and I was like oh you're not taking this as well as I thought you would be yeah I mean, uh, well... but now a woman in the car that's a different story I mean, he still has the money to call an Uber. You know, it's I don't understand. (laughs) I really don't understand when when professional athletes get caught for drunk driving or driving under the influence of marijuana or whatever it might be. You have the money, you know, call an Uber. Just call an Uber. Okay. Um, I mean, but they also want to be. Well, so this is what shocked me so much is like. You, you want to be seen with your flashy car. So you drive your flashy car to the, your club, you get your bottle service, and then you get pulled over in your Lambo. And that's why I immediately was drawn to black VW Beetle. Yeah, Beetle, Volkswagen Beetle. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> no, Seb's right. Like, look, we don't know what his wages are at Everton, but they, like, I'm pretty sure that, like, United just said, you know what, whatever the transfer fee that you were going to give us, just throw it into his wages so you can afford him. Like he's he obviously took a pay cut to go to Everton, but I don't think he's took a massive pay cut. No, and he probably has the money in the bank too, so he's yeah, he's definitely not hurting us. Oh, much, yeah, yeah, you, know. you don't think he saved some of that three hundred k a week? Exactly. So, but well, <laughs> let's get over to the England team that actually did play on the pitch. They won both games. First, they took a four nothing win over Malta on the road after four second half goals. I mean that kudos to Malta. Anybody watch that game? Nope. I did. <laughs> it was it wasn't really a lot. Of, it wasn't very entertaining. And then they had a one 0 lead, and they decided let's just throw on all of our strikers. And suddenly they had Harry Kane, Jamie Vardy, Marcus Rashford, and Danny Welbeck on the pitch. And you're not going to believe this: they scored a bunch of goals when that happened. Yeah. Yeah, so Kane opened up the scoring 53rd minute, then Bertrand scored 86th minute, then Welbeck scored in the 91st, and then Kane again in 92nd. So 4 nothing, good good for them. I think still good on Malta for keeping it at least scoreless for one and a half. They were not happy with yeah. that fourth goal either. Like In fact, Jordan Henderson ran over and yelled at Marcus Rashford 
for playing a brilliant ball into the box because apparently they were telling him to kick it out because a Malta guy was was out. Mm. But Marcus Rashford, sorry that he has such amazing instincts, looked up, <laughs> spotted a really good ball to play, played it, and Harry Kane finished it. Yeah, and then today they beat Slovakia 2-1 to one at home. They did fall behind early in this game, though. In the third minute, Lobotka scored, but then they turned things around. Eric Dyer with the, with the tying goal, 37 minute, and then Marcus Rashford with the winner, 59 minute. And Rashford was at fault on that goal by Slovakia, so he got his, you know, he settled that score at least. So, um, yeah, England all but done here. They are sitting at the top of their group with. 20 points, Slovakia in second with 15. So they need two points. I mean, from England, the, from last they've only here. lost one qualifier ever at Wembley. Yeah. And that was against Croatia in 2007, which by all means was a really big one because it eliminated them from the Euros. But that's the only one they've ever lost at home. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, they're all by done here. So good on them. Um, Scotland, though, still within. They're right on cue to make a mess of the World Cup and laugh as we laugh hysterically as they crash out and in embarrassing fashion. Mm. Yeah, so Slovakia, they they're you know fighting with Slovenia and Scotland for that second place and a possible chance of getting to the qualification uh, playoffs. So we'll see how they do. Otherwise, Group A, France, they're at the top one point before Sweden. And France played a scoreless draw at home against Luxembourg in their last game. That is just amazing. It's amazing because they blew the doors off of the Netherlands. Yes. And then you go and play a scoreless draw at home. Yeah, you have so much talent. I mean, Paul Pogba hit the bar. Yes. Uh, so what else is new? Uh, that literally happens every game. But, yeah, like, how did no one – like, that's enough talent. Like, Paul Pogba or Antoine Griezmann, you could put them next to anybody and give them 15 minutes, and they'll create a rapport and, like, a connection with them. So how you didn't manage to build a team goal or just be like, all right, we have Thomas Lamar – and Paul Pogba and Antoine Griezmann and all these other guys, how they couldn't like come up with one individual effort. It's astonishing. Yeah. It just goes to show you that like anything can happen. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, it was, I mean, that was super nice for Sweden after their disappointing loss to Bulgaria. Uh, they bounced back with a win over Belarus for nothing on the road. So, I mean, they, they still have the chance to win that group, which would be, would be nice. Uh, group B, Switzerland and Portugal are in top there. Switzerland, 24 points. Portugal, 21 points with two games remaining. So they they will battle it out for that first spot. Uh, Elliot, does that not drive you nuts? What? Yeah. I know. Like, how does Switzerland do so well in qualifying every year? Like, they're always in a major tournament, and you never look at them like they're even remotely a threat. You're, they you're did, always they just did look at them beat... like... They did beat Spain back in 2010, I believe. No, 2012. The no, they beat that. They beat them in the World Cup in 2010. Oh, was it the World Cup? Yes, I, I thought it was like the first game of the Euros, and then Spain still won the whole thing anyway. Well, it's both tournaments. <laughs> same scenario. Yeah, same scenario. We started yeah. them in the in the group stage of the World Cup, and then they you know went on to win. World Cup regardless. Well, yeah, so Switzerland, I mean, eight straight wins here. That That's really good. Portugal, they have seven wins and one loss. Yeah, but then they go and they play real teams and you're just like, all right, like, you know what you're going to get with Switzerland? Like, 
nothing really is exciting is going to happen. They're not going to score any goals, and they're probably not going to concede any. Yeah, uh, one team that is scoring goals, that's Germany. They're in top of Group C. They've scored 35 goals in eight games, only allowed two. They topped the group before Northern Ireland, who has 19 points. That's six wins, one draw, one loss. 16 goals for it, only two goals against. So good on Northern Ireland, really. Well, they were singing to the German fans today that they're going to win the group. They were, they were, they were doing Germany won't believe us, but we're going to win the group. Yeah, I, I have. A really I guess they play each that. other on the last on the last uh, day or something. Yeah, but I have a hard time seeing that. Yeah, Group D. Germany <laughs> looked pretty sharp today. Yeah, Group Didn't D. They Serbia ahead of Ireland. Uh, Serbia fifteen points. Ireland thirteen points, and then Wales in third with eleven points. Uh, Austria in fourth in that one. Uh, a little bit surprising. Group E, Poland. Is it? That's a that's a loaded group. Austria's not that good. They made the, they made a good run in the Euros because they were there because there were twenty four teams. Yeah. I mean, I I still feel like just on the look of it, when you think Republic of Ireland, Wales, and Austria, I would say probably yeah, Wales. They had a good showing, um, but then I would say Austria ahead of Ireland. That's for sure. Ah, Ireland, uh, no, Ireland, Ireland is there always. They're mm. all perpetually there. Uh, I would, yes. You know, remember, like, remember, they should have been in the World Cup a couple years ago if it weren't for Thierry Henry's hand. Oh yes, that is true. That is true. Yeah. Group E: Poland, nineteen points uh, ahead of Montenegro, sixteen points. Denmark, sixteen points. And uh, I, I just have to see here. Yes, Nicholas Bentner is Rum. in the Danish squad. Yes. Um, <laughs> I mean, he's the greatest striker to ever live. How oh, could yeah. he not be? Yeah, how could he not be? I know. It's just, it's such a shame he's being outperformed by Robert Lewandowski. Who would have <laughs> saw that coming? Yeah, exactly. Uh, group F, we already talked about that. That's England's group. Uh, group G, Spain, 19 points. Uh, they're top their group. Italy, second place there with 16 points. And, uh, you know, we were talking about David Villa making his return here. And uh, Spain, they went on. They took a... Uh, Three nothing win over Italy, but this was oh they demolished yeah Italy. This, this was the Isco show he had a very good showing David Villa did see the field in the 89th minute when he come on came and then got hurt so and got hurt so but yeah. yeah no this was this this was the Spain of four years ago and they just wiped the floor with it this was the Spain that pretty much led up to the 2014 World Cup when they ran into a wall and have yet to recover they were on they were on their game in this one and they they just took Italy and, and mowed them all over the field yeah Italy they play Israel tomorrow and Spain go away to Liechtenstein credit to Israel you know it was always going to be a tough task for them to qualify for the uh, World Cup out of their out of this group with Spain and Italy uh, and then they did themselves no favors by losing 1-0 at home to Macedonia yes yeah they're in fourth place <laughs> Um, but nine points, so they could uh, technically still qualify for the playoffs, though. I don't see how that is possible. Yeah, I don't see that happening. Uh, group H, uh, Belgium, they have 22 points, and um, then we got Bosnia and Herzegovina in second place, and then Greece in third. So, uh, Bosnia and Greece are gonna battle it out for that second spot. Uh, Belgium, God, Belgium mean, are, they are good. They're just that. I Italy. think they're the next team that's just gonna like. They're almost England. 
Like they're they there's nobody that will come close to them in qualifying because of the way that Europe does their thing. Uh, and then they're going to get to every tournament and get exposed. Well, they, I mean, uh, this is sort not of, by the U.S. They won't. I feel like they have <laughs> no. a pretty good window here because a lot of their players are in the right age. Yes, but yeah. like they had a good window four years ago. They certainly had a better window two years or mm-hmm. last year. Yeah, and they got badly exposed by Italy in the Euros last year. And four years ago, you could say. Okay, like that was their first tournament, and they were gaining the experience and everything. Again, though, like this, like yeah, but you could say that about the Euros too. I think that that it's just a step. No, they yeah. got badly exposed by Italy. They, at the bottom, at the bottom of the line, they played Marilyn Fellaini as a holding midfielder. And say what you want about Fellaini, and believe me, we we've all said oh, what yes. we wanted yeah, about he, Fellaini. He should not and, play. Right, he he does. A, he has a role to play in certain games for certain teams in certain ways. The Belgian style of play does not fit Fellaini at all. No. no. I know he has three three years on Kevin De Bruyne, but the fact that he has 25 more caps, oof. oof. <laughs> he is, let's see, I'm going to look at this up real quick. He is the third most cap player on the current Belgian team. First, right, but I mean... You got with, with, with a front four. You got Hazard. First of all, like, you don't need Fellaini. You don't need Fellaini marooting into the box to like get on the end of crosses because you have Lukaku there, who is on fire. All he's doing is scoring goals these days. Yeah, I mean, and you could even if you don't have him, you still have Christian Benteke, who also also very good on the head. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, uh, I'm gonna pretend you didn't say that. He is. <laughs> <laughs> He's got 11 goals and 30 would, caps. That's, would, that's pretty good. You know what would be a better statement is, along with uh, if you don't have Romelu Lukaku, you have Michi Batshuayi. That that's too. Um, Batshuayi is better than Christian Benteke. Oh, yeah. But, but I mean, know, as, like, far, have, as far as burly strikers go. Like, yeah, but it's more just in the midfield. Like, you have you have Dembele. You have, uh, you have Nasser Chadley. You don't really have many options there, but there's just be- there are better options than Fellaini. I would play somehow as a would... seventy six caps. I You're would... right. That's actually incredible. Yeah, I would definitely play Stephen Defour before I would play Fellaini. I would rather see yeah, Stephen you... Defour on Manchester United than I would see Fellaini. Right. I mean, you, right now, like if you think about how that team is set up with Lukaku up front, and you play with somebody as the number ten, and you have Eden Hazard out wide on one side, you have Kevin De Bruyne out wide on the other side. You just need midfielders that are going to get the ball, turn, and find a way to get it to those guys in space. And Fellaini's not that guy. No. Okay, and then last group, Croatia, Group I. They sit at the top there, 16 points. Ukraine in second place, 14 points. And then Iceland, 13 points. So we'll see if Iceland can make it back after their incredible run at the Euros. And uh, with that, that's the show. And we'll be back later in the week. We'll hopefully be happy about what the U.S. did against Honduras. And then we get back to talking about the Premier League. Until Are you going to watch it this time? The, the U.S. game, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. I will. I will. Uh, until then, make sure to follow us on Twitter. Paulie is P. Crostell. Elliot is Keats was better. I'm Seb Norin. And FanDrag Sports is FanDrag Sports. So talk to you again later in the week. Until then, have a good one. Bye-bye.
Wonder. How on earth did that happen?